thanks, Alex, for joining us then today. Um, I really appreciate you spending the time to, you know, to, just to chat to me about yourself and your ministry and just what you're all about. Um, so thanks for coming on and agreeing yeah. to, to have thanks, a chat. Josh. No worries. Yeah, um, it's good to be here. So is there anything, any way that you would describe yourself for someone who doesn't know you? Is there any sort of snappy catchphrase you could sum up your life as? Ooh, well, um, yeah, my name's Alex Atwell, and I'm from uh, Five Mile Town in County Tyrone. Um, I'm living in Enniskillen now. Um, but I suppose, yeah, um, I don't know if there's something special about me or anything, but I, I, uh, I'm 29, and I've been, uh, yeah, just uh, working with uh, Youth with a Mission, um, which is a kind of an international Christian movement. Um, and these places are all Northern yeah. Ireland for anyone that's never heard of them before if anyone international is listening that small small part of the world that a lot of people might not even have heard of you know everyone knows of ireland but northern ireland yeah. got its own special unique uh, kind of story there's a million conversations you could have about that topic and it's, and it's own, right just northern ireland and and its relation to ireland and the uk were kind of the same and different all that kind of neck of the woods so yeah um but have you been based here then your whole life really or have you kind of like moved around the place and traveled or yeah like I suppose I grew up here um and my parents are both from here and um I never really like left very much especially growing up um until I was about 19 I left school and then I went I went mad traveling (laughs) so um I I started off doing a gap year um and it I was in Australia um, for three months doing like a, a discipleship school. And um, then I went to Mexico for three months. And that kind of started off my journey into working with YWAM. And, um, and since then, I've been to many different nations. Um, and yeah, spent, spent few, probably a few months every year. I've been outside of Northern Ireland, although I've kind of mostly been based here. So your travels then you'd say are kind of um, in relation to your calling and your ministry then and, and uh, your kind of missional uh, work that you do or is was there any reason that you kind of wanted to travel other than that or was it like a calling that you felt that you know that you had I, to get involved in? Yeah like I suppose like I grew up in um, a Presbyterian church and um, just like a rural small congregation um, and um I suppose when I was at school I was sort of like journeying in my faith and kind of questioning things and and um I was I got involved with this group called Youth for Christ and um yeah I started to maybe um branch out of like instead of maybe just being around like Presbyterian Christians I would you know be interacting with young people and leaders from other kind of denominations and um, that probably expanded my kind of horizons. And um, I suppose in the church I grew up in, quite reserved, you know, and probably kind of safe and sound, you know. Um, Presbyterians tend to be, try to, you know, not be too, like, crazy about anything. Um, and uh, But I suppose I kind of had a hunger for um, for really going further with God. And I'd sort of uh started to 
through Youth for Christ, um, and especially there was a, an event called Manifest. Um, I used to just, yeah, be encountering God in a different way and um, maybe just starting to experience God, starting to read books that, um, like I remember reading Keith Green's book um, about his life story and just, yeah, crying, just reading his book and just some of the things he had For anyone done. that doesn't know, including me, about Keith Green, like what kind of, what was his perspective or what happened in his life? Um, well, he kind of would have kind of probably came to faith during the kind of hippie movement in America and he was a musician and um, he uh, yeah he he had like different sort of supernatural experiences that kind of like reminded you of the book of Acts and and I remember just when I was reading the book I was like really hungry I was like whoa like you know these things actually are still happening today and um, I had not really you know experienced those things in church but um, I started to kind of experience those kinds of things. I remember there was one time I was on a, a bus um, to Dublin and to go to a concert and I was with a friend and I was kind of talking to him about, about my faith. And um, I, uh, we were just very quietly talking and um, this lady, a few seats up from us, just suddenly get, gets out of her seat and starts screaming at me and swearing at me. And she started shouting, you know, you've come on this bus to torment me. And um, and it, it just seemed like such a, a manifestation. And, and this um, was on the I way would, to Dublin, did you say? Yeah, I was just on the bus from Ballyshannon to, to Dublin. And the bus driver actually stopped the bus and came up to see what oh. was going on. And this lady couldn't have physically heard our conversation, but yeah. some, something in the spirit really... Um, triggered her and wow. she started to really verbally attack us um, and things like that just really made me see that there was more to this world than just the natural and more than just what we see with our eyes and that kind of how did that come... kind of play out in the end like how did how did that situation end up going well different people in the bus just tried to speak calmly to her and say that these guys had done nothing to provoke and um, she was the bus driver made her sit at the front of the bus and mm-hmm. just kind of uh, keep her separately. And I remember we, we went to the concert. It was a Bob Dylan concert. And um, I remember on we were waiting for the bus on the way home and we saw the same lady and she walked past us again and she just looked at us and recognized us and she looked really kind of um, scared or, or sorry. Mm-hmm. And I just really at that moment really recognized that it wasn't her. Yeah, there's you know, definitely some spiritual involved in that. Had 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 a like said, those things, it was, it was a spiritual entity, you know? Wow. And I suppose like I'd read in, in the Bible about, you know, angels and demons and, you know, the Holy spirit. And, um, I suppose that kind of given me, a like a, a hunger to really go deeper with God and, and, um, yeah, experience him. I guess it takes experiences like that for, for it all to sink in really. And to like become real. Like you kind of need to see these things tangibly playing out before you realize like, you know, there's things in the, in the book, like in the Bible that sound like stories, but then I guess when you, when you see them play out, then it brings a whole new perspective on what actually is possible within the world. If you know what I mean? Like you kind of think it sounds like a completely separate storyline almost like you know, so long ago, 
almost like a long time ago in a galaxy far away. And then as soon as you experience things like that, I guess, then it brings it all home that all this is very real, you know? Yeah, like I think you learn as much through experience as through information, you know? Mm -hmm. Like we can all read and we can all, you know, hear things, but it's really the experiences that we have that shape us. And because you can never argue with someone's experience or testimony. Um, yeah. And I think probably over the last 10 years since I've been doing my, since I did my DTS, um, and even before that, it's probably been experiences that have shaped me. And then the information you're hearing and the teachings and the books you're reading are kind of like, you know, putting the language to that. Um, but mm -hmm. you're really shaped by experiences. So you mentioned there your DTS. So that's, this is, I guess, fast forward a few years from these kind of early experiences then, or when did you start to get involved? That DTS really, that's to do with YWAM. Maybe you can explain more about like what that is and maybe what uh, caused you to, to look into that more. Because uh, yeah, I guess so you were, you're, you're sort of, from my experience, like a bit of a minority in your own country with the YWAMers that I know, like, for anyone that doesn't know YWAM as an organization is all over the world and you'll obviously explain more about what they're about but I guess they're based all over the place and from my experience like I don't remember at least when I first started like visiting YWAM bases and meeting people you're you were almost like a minority along with a few other people that were actually from Northern Ireland based yeah. in Northern Ireland yeah that's right and you know you'll whenever you go to a YWAM base you'll normally meet people from many different countries um, and I suppose I kind of uh, heard about it through a school friend um, and his uh, his sister had went to Australia and did a DTS so I kind of just followed in in her footsteps um, and it's it, a DTS is a discipleship training school so it's all kind of about knowing God and that kind of comes in three parts there's knowing God like himself like your relationship with god but mm -hmm. also knowing yourself um and knowing the world so it's like you have a relationship with god but you've also a relationship with yourself and you have a relationship with the world um and i suppose the the teachings you're hearing are kind of in those categories of like how do we relate to to god like what does that look like and um how do we relate to ourselves like in terms of our own personal development and growth um, and then what does it look like to relate to the world as a believer? You know, how, you know, how should we see things through God's eyes? Um, so, yeah, like so um, it's, it's what kind of made YWAM jump out to you? I suppose like there's a lot of organizations doing training, like I guess there's the Bible college and there's things like that. So what exactly? So for start, like what is YWAM and what is it about YWAM that really appealed to you over other organizations? Um. I didn't really look that much into what to do. I suppose I was looking at doing a gap year and I was sort of open for options. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I liked the idea of getting out of Northern Ireland and, and traveling. So um, that was probably definitely a, a part of the appeal. I didn't know a lot about YWAM before I actually went. Um, and But I just heard like a lot of good, good reports from, from different friends who'd, who'd done it. Um, that stands for youth with a mission right doesn't that yeah it's youth, yeah. youth with a mission and the kind of slogan would be to know god and make him known um so you know the idea of like being 
being te- being taught, but also then going and like telling others what you've learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so you were introduced, or you kind of coincidentally then, I guess, came across YWAM and DTSs. Really, it was through through friends. Did you say there? And then, mm-hmm. um, so they recommend that you go and do this. And then, I guess, how did you first sort of reach out? And like, how, what were your first experiences like? Maybe did you know what you were getting into when you? when you first like I guess turned up on the first day you know um not really like I I was young you know I was 19 and hadn't hadn't spent more than like 10 days outside of Northern Ireland mm-hmm. um and I suppose it was quite adventurous just I remember you know going to Perth and just you know it's I, I was it was minus 10 degrees in Northern Ireland when I left um it was like January the 1st and then arrived in Perth is 40 degrees. So that's like 50 degrees of a, yeah. a jump. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess remember, it was like our winter there, summer then, like that yeah, kind of scenario. That's right. And I went, I was, I, I said hello to these uh, couple of Canadians and they, I tried to talk to them, but they couldn't understand me. I like, <laughs> they didn't understand my accent. And then uh, I went, I met a, an English fella and then, we we started chatting because he could understand me better. Yeah, um, but, <laughs> Yeah, and I remember, I think the third night, we we just were sitting in small groups and just telling our stories, like who we were and, you know, and I, um, while I was telling my story, I started crying. Like I, I mm. would just, and I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't finish my story. And would you that know? have been like a common thing for someone who knows you to, to see you crying no. or... Not at all. Not at all. Like I maybe hadn't cried for years and I couldn't, it was like something was happening in me. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. it was some kind of like a deeply spiritual thing in my heart. There yeah. Was, yeah. There was something open up in my heart. Um, and I, I was just ready to, to receive what, all that I could learn. Um, mm. And um, we went on our, our reach to Mexico city and um wow that's a, yeah. a good journey there yeah like it was a crazy journey you know we we flew from perth to brisbane los angeles phoenix and then mexico city so i think wow. it was like 40 <laughs> hours of traveling but it, it again just so so different you know to northern ireland like it's one of the biggest cities in the world spanish-speaking food is very different and i come from like northern ireland and it was just a Potatoes really, and meat were raised on no spices or anything like that around our food. <laughs> no, like everything was just a, a new experience, and um, I really fell in love with with Mexico City and just had had great times there that you know mm. will never leave me. You know. And have you been back there since your kind of outreach time? I have. Yeah, I've, I've been back um, a number of times actually, and I've I've stayed in contact with some of the folks we worked with and I've uh, been able to like really see um, like the continuation, like almost the legacy of what, mm-hmm. what our team was a part of there. Um, and then Yeah. I guess you hear like a lot of people will go on these missions trips, I guess like almost like a couple of months in the summer when they're like 17 and then you go there for maybe a week or two and then you never go back or you never get to, to see the future of that place. And I guess it must be really cool to, to see kind of, the, the the small amount of time, I guess it's a couple of months, isn't it, that you were there? Yeah. But even still, like, a, I guess a small amount of time in the grand scheme of things, but 
that the impact that that small amount of time, that small investment had in the, the people there. Yeah. I'm sure that like, must have been a cool experience for sure. Yeah, like I think there's a lot to be said for going back places and, you know, having a long-term mindset um, because, you know, otherwise, you know, it, it can become like just a tourism mentality. And, you know, I think it's important to really to, to invest and to, to really to love the people and the places you go to. Sometimes the biggest work that needs done is our, in our own hearts and um, just in our own perspectives um, and just really like learning about this world that we live in, um, yeah. you know, um, and of course you try to, you know, serve and, and do your, do your bit. Um, but I think listening and um, seeing and experiencing is really an important thing for us to do, especially, you know, for young people like yeah. like when you're 18 19 and you know you don't know very much and how much did that experience i guess like broaden your horizons like did you come home completely changed or did you come home like with perspective or how would you say that like shifted from like you as a 19 year old or whatever that hasn't hadn't really traveled anywhere like how what would the difference be like in the person that returned to, well i think it really it opened my eyes like it really opened my eyes to what was out there and um it probably it probably ruined me in a sense for like or the ordinary there's that phrase ruined for the ordinary um like i probably i found a passion that i hadn't really had before you know a passion for life a passion Mm -hmm. for god and passion for the world um that really me beforehand i'd never had that you know i was quite a like closed up guy and I was um I was probably a bit like melancholic and down and you know it kind of probably took myself too seriously in many ways um but I think this sort of experience um through DTS really helped me experience joy and passion and and purpose yeah and is there like I'm sure you have plenty of uh, stories to tell from your DTS but is there like any moment I guess or one story or a main thing that like you said some things will never leave you and the experience will never leave you but is there anything that really like hit home to your core maybe more than than anything else or even anything you saw that like really shook you would you say mm, yeah that's a good question <laughs> yeah like I would say like there's there's probably several things um but I suppose like the whole experience of just being in a team with people from other countries and other cultures mm-hmm. and other church backgrounds and beliefs you know and you know working through um conflict with each other um I was just about to ask was there conflict and yeah like so many there's always cultures. always conflict and, and and it can be a really good thing you know mm. because i think really we learn through conflict um absolutely yeah you know we like conflict is often it's conflict between who we are and what we know and then the new information that we're learning or the new you know people we're experiencing so yeah um yeah like 
I don't know. It, you know, I remember just in Mexico and even just the churches in Mexico, just they had a whole different way of operating. You know, like I was used to maybe one hour sharp like service, um, whereas we would go to a church in Mexico and it maybe went for seven hours and we would like be worshiping and praying and there would be, yeah, a much longer kind of thing and prophesying over us and yeah just getting getting like words from god that really meant something and um you know seeing people just being filled with the holy spirit and, and that kind of thing were just really powerful in terms of your experience at ywam then what would you say was there like an overriding um aim that ywam or that or almost like a, a philosophy of the organization, would you say? Or uh, was it just kind of like a broad-based Christian learning? Or would you say, like, is, does it teach in particular areas? Because I know there's some places maybe specialize in in certain areas of our faith. Would you say yeah. that there was anything like that in terms of YWAM? Or do they have, like, a, a view of a certain slant on things? Um, yeah, like, I think um, YWAM is quite broad, you know, um, diverse, because we, you know, we're international, we're interdenominational, but it's also broad structured and decentralized. So, you know, each kind of YWAM base kind of develops its own kind of focus. Um, and for the last six years, I've been in Ross Trevor in Northern Ireland, and the focus there has been about peace and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the the work that's been done there and the things that I've been learning has been to do with um, reconcil- reconciling with people groups that have conflict or have gone through conflict. Um, so like like here in Northern Ireland um, with the situation between the British and the Irish, um, but also, you know, places like South Africa. I spent a couple of outreaches where I went there and just in the backdrop of, you know, apartheid and, um, things like that between the blacks and the whites and being in Lebanon um, where there's been many kind of factions and different political groups that have been at war and um, even Israel was at war with Lebanon. And so, yeah, um, in terms of a focus for YWAM in in Northern Ireland, it is to do with that kind of post-conflict and, you know, healing the wounds of war. Mm -hmm. And, I guess for anyone that maybe is not as uh, well learned or researched about the situation in Northern Ireland, what would, do you want to give like a brief uh, overview of maybe why Northern Ireland would be the perfect place for a center of peace and reconciliation, you know, a conflict resolution? Um, do you want to even like go in a little bit maybe of, of how you guys heal the divisions and maybe what those divisions are and what you kind of see from people in, in Northern Ireland in your home country? Yeah. Um, it's it is a complicated history, but um, it's probably at least four hundred years old. That um, so about four hundred years ago, um, Britain sent um, people over to live in the northern part of Ireland, and th- those people were Scottish and English settlers, and they were Protestants, and whereas the local Irish people were Catholics, um, and so yeah, there's been many kind of like conflicts throughout the centuries, but more recently in the last 100 years, Northern Ireland was created. And um, 
we like had it was a, all it was all Ireland within the UK before that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Ireland gained independence from the UK from the British kind of empire, and then Northern Ireland was remained in that. Um, and because the the population of Northern Protestants um, that that desired to stay, um, so yeah, that ended up Northern Ireland ended up being like like a Protestant kind of run country. Um, yeah, like and an enclave. Even, yeah, and but around maybe 50-40% of the population were still Irish Catholics and they, they felt discriminated against and there was a civil rights movement and it kind of got taken over by the IRA, which was an extremist kind of militant group and um, that created the Troubles, which was like a 30-year conflict between you know, Irish Republicans who were fighting for a united Ireland and then the British state um, who were kind of trying to keep hold of um, their territory in Ireland. Um, so the yeah. British Army and the police security forces and even loyalist paramilitaries um, who were more I guess loyal. there's there's so many slants on and views on it. You know, some people will say the British, for example, were um, trying to peacefully guarantee the rights of of the citizens to live without fear of terrorism and then on the whole other side of the community will see them as furthering an agenda in order to kind of suppress you know and discriminate and you know there were almost agents of a british state that were that were oppressors and 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 you know from that sort of colonial british background and and then yeah. on the other side you know you could say the ira brutally you know slaughtered innocent people and then others will say the ira were really formed from the exhaustion of the the catholic population to you know that they they couldn't go any further with the political process, perhaps, and then maybe they felt this was the way you know, uh, to violently fight back and and to resist mm-hmm. through those means. But you, there's so many different views, and I guess that's how it's or why why there is a need for for reconciliation in this part of the world. And would you say that you saw like a lot of or you, you met people with a lot of those experiences of hurt and and pain from the past in, in your time at YWAM? Yeah, like, I think there's, you know, everyone has their own story. And um, I think I grew up, like, quite Protestant, you know, in a Protestant British um, community. Um, So that's one of the things about Northern Ireland is that people tend to grow up, like, in one side or the other, um, because often our communities are separated from each other. It's getting Um, better, but on the whole, yeah. Yeah. And whereas when I moved to Ross Trevor, um, it was basically crossing the divide. So Ross Trevor was much more Irish Catholic um, community. Um, And I think it was really healthy for me to like kind of live in that world um, for a while because I think I didn't. And I think none of us realize how kind of shaped we are by you know, the kind of worldview that we grew up with. Um, and it's only really when we kind of come into contact with the other and with different worldviews that we can maybe see that it's not always as simple as how we thought it was. Or so It would be fair learn. to say, like, your view of the world, even in terms, I know you'd been abroad, but in terms of your own home country, your view of, of your own country was challenged then from your time Absolutely. there? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, obviously, you know, I'm still me and I'm still, you know, I'm still who, who I was growing up, but I've probably learned a lot more and learned like it shaped my own view of, you know, faith and, and politics. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, probably the, a lot of the teachings that I like received in Ross Trevor were things that I maybe had never considered before or, um, yeah, just growing in that kind of whole theology of peacemaking. Um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, like you said, that they're the focus of that area is, um, or of that base is peace and reconciliation. And you said that it, that, um, I guess coming into contact with people from opposing views and hearing these different, um, yeah, different interpretations of, of, of your faith and theology that you may not have heard before. Like what kind of ways would you see that sort of translating into, into your views? Like, for example, how did that change your view of, um, perhaps, you know, being from a Protestant British background, like, you know, you probably were inclined to, to be supportive of, of Britain and to feel like a sense of, of that being your country and being proud of that, would you say you, that your view of that sort of thing changed, and maybe how you saw, um, even your own side of the the fence, as they would say. Um. Yeah. Like, there's probably a lot to say about that. Um, I think probably one of the things that's helped me has really been trying to like discern what is, you know, what is Christianity or what is like the gospel and what is like culture um you know and like so some of the things we grew up with are culture and and maybe not as kind of central to the gospel as you know the important things um so i think even just in terms of russ trevor but also in terms of going to focus nations um where there has been conflict and war has really helped me to try to think of those difficult questions and um, try to sort of work out, like work out my salvation in a sense, Um, you know, and um, not just like having intellectual beliefs that are, you know, right, um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, living and and following the way of, of Christ and, you know, that, you know, it somehow has to go from, you know, these kind of beliefs that we hold to to our hearts and to how we live and how we interact with others. Would you say there was views that you would have had or maybe from your, your culture, your side of the community that you recognized as perhaps being toxic and that you needed to maybe to reevaluate, you know? Would you, would you say there's, that that, would, that process happened of evaluating your whole sort of yeah. cultural outlook yeah like i think you know northern ireland has a lot of you know, maybe toxic um toxic in- environments or atmospheres and like sectarianism for example would be one that you know we're all familiar with and that you know sectarianism is basically um you know maybe hating another person or because of their religious beliefs um or because of, you know, for a Protestant, it might be like 
I hate Catholics, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, um, but sectarianism yeah. can come out, come out in many different ways. Um, and I think I would have definitely been challenged, you know, probably one of the views that it's quite common in, in some circles, um, in Protestant circles would be to view the Catholic church as really, you know, like really bad and really you know, wrong. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. so many problems and so many, um, so many things that are just wrong about the Catholic church. Like that was kind of my mm -hmm. mentality. Um, and did, but most of those views are, you know, Protestant views. So I like, yeah. where did I learn those views? Well, from other Protestants who didn't like the Catholic church. But whenever you start to hear Catholics talking about, you know, the Catholic church and, you know, um, maybe meeting other Christians who are Catholics and who maybe grew up and the other side, um, it mm -hmm. kind of breaks down those, some of those like stereotypes or some of those um, myths, I guess. I guess my question would be then if, for example, you have theological disagreements perhaps, or like ways or things you disagree with perhaps about Catholicism and maybe things you think are harmful about the way, some of the ways they practice, like, would you say then there's, do you find a hard or would you avoid that sort of criticism really or how would you go about maybe saying or discipling someone through perhaps things that, that they picked up that were harmful I guess without being inflammatory you know because I think in the past I would say rightfully there were people in Northern Ireland especially Protestants that were that picked out um, views on the other side and really rallied against them so for example I think all nearly all denominations have something that you could find a flaw or a fault with, you know, mm. and, um, but it was, I guess, the way that manifested in terms of um, going out in public and shouting about how the, the Pope is sent by the devil. And I guess there's ways, how do you, how would you approach those kind of differences without being inflammatory or would you kind of avoid really that whole area altogether? Um. Well, no, I, 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 I don't think it's good to avoid it at all. Like I, I would think it's definitely good to speak into those areas. Um, and I'm just thinking about one of the things that Jesus talked about um, was, you know, removing the plank from your own eye before you, mm. you know, try to talk about the speck in your brother's eye. Um, and that I hope that whole idea of self-reflection um, kind of owning you know, our own problems and our own mistakes yeah. before we kind of project our problems about other groups. Um, so, like, I think it takes a long journey of humility because really, I think a lot of times in conflicts and in, in Northern Ireland, there's a pride, you know, and there's like pride kind of when you walk in pride, you can't really see your own faults. And yeah, and it's the pride in being right in your eyes, I guess. Yeah, there's a self-righteousness there, like, um, and a blindness. Um, and Jesus used to, you know, really lay into the Pharisees, you know, for that. Um, so I think in terms of facing theological differences, um, I think in general, it's good to to look inward and to look at our own group and how we are 
how we portray ourselves and how the other side might see us, how the other side might have yeah. been heard by us. Um, and then it's really important, especially in areas that have had conflict, you know, to, to have that moment of evaluation and, and just studying where you've been, we've been hurtful and we have to own that hurt. Yeah. And I guess you don't have to abandon your views that you believe are right in order to, to, to own the hurt that's caused in the past from how that was expressed, you know, that's right. I guess that's where people maybe yeah. fall into, into tricky territory because maybe they're too proud, I guess, to, um, to back down or feel like that they're like, I know a lot of people that, that sort of have this attitude of like, why should I really be apologetic for going against what's wrong? And mm -hmm. I guess, you know, there's a time and place for that as well, but especially where there's a context of so much hurt, then that's where you get into you, just that yeah. be, being yeah, and, tactful, I suppose. And again, comes back to listening and like really building relationships with people across the divide. Um, because w if you don't have those relationships, then you can't have healthy conversations and you can't get to a place of understanding. Um, so it's, it's really just trying to be humble and trying to build those relationships and, and, and learn and see people as, as humans and as, as people that, that, you know, want to follow God. And I guess from your perspective, like those, I guess, learning the lessons of, from the past and learning, I guess, the way of peace in a divided society, I guess that has from my conversations with you translated i guess into a more broad view of being against violence in all forms and i know there's lots of views especially within christianity on the topic of, of violence and even pacifism but would you say then that in that broader context then that um were you always that way inclined or it was it fair to say now that you're anti-violence or what way would you sort of describe your views on that um, yeah, I think you're you're picking up on you know some of my my posts on social media and that kind yeah, of thing. And I, I guess I have yeah. to give you credit because your posts on social media were really how most of this started. Because I thought wouldn't it be great if there was a forum for people to discuss the views? And even if I disagree with you on things, which I do, and I'm honest in saying that, there's I guess having the forum to be able to talk it out and learn from each other's point of views. I thought was necessary and also kind of missing in some ways. So there's. Yeah. Facebook posts are great at, well, they're great at a number of things. They're great at you putting across a large volume of your information in kind of one go. And then they're also great for starting arguments instead of discussions. Mm -hmm. So that's, I guess that's how I originally was maybe intending on, on some debates, but then I thought maybe a podcast where we can learn from each other's views and, and just talk about them in a longer format would be really helpful. So, um, yeah. I guess, yes, your Facebook posts, and that was really in relation to um, the military and, and, and the war and how, so. Yeah, yeah. So do you, want to, do you want to summarize kind of what that yeah, was like, about? I think um, if I um, read my, my posts, you know, whenever I was 19, and, you know, I, I probably would not understand or I would be confused if I like, huh, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, so, and I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier about like learning from experiences, maybe more than information. And mm -hmm. I think you're right that sometimes when you post things on, you know, the internet, um, it 
not everyone is going to read it in the same way or not everyone's maybe ready for that information yeah. or and don't get me every- wrong like i wouldn't say that that's it's like wrong to put post like that on facebook but mm-hmm. I, there's also it's it's a great tool for um for helping people to learn but then it also has its drawbacks as well i guess yeah yeah absolutely and i think um it it it's it's going to connect with some people more than others and um and uh, yeah like i suppose one of the posts i was doing recently is has been talking about um the ve day and um i was sort of mentioning how so often we can you know celebrate military victories in like a kind of nationalistic way um and that it's maybe not always um as simple as that and 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 yeah like i think probably even i've i've been using music in that way of like challenging mm-hmm. maybe some some views that i've grown up with um i guess this all relates really well to your song you have a song called remembering sunday isn't that the name of the song yeah yeah i've got a song about remembering sunday and I think I've written a, I've got written a song about the 12th of July as well called Don't Drag God Into the Mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another song, uh, the Border Walk song, which sort of um, talks about like, you know, coming together, you know, and surrendering to each other um, rather than, you know, kind of like staying behind our walls um, in, in separate communities. Um, so yeah, I've got, I've written a number of, a number of songs and material over the last few years and I suppose I think it often it comes up quite spontaneously like maybe maybe I'll like for example the song Remembrance Sunday um I remember writing it on Remembrance Sunday because for a few years on Remembrance Sunday I had this sense of just uneasiness or mm-hmm. like there's this kind of Hmm, like yeah just well, i know the feeling things. for sure yeah and just trying to like process some thoughts in a poem um is kind of a helpful way for me to like describe the uneasiness that i i sometimes mm-hmm. have had um and yeah i don't necessarily expect everybody to to get it you know to like um agree with these perspectives but I suppose in some ways, whenever some t- some people might be having similar thoughts or similar experiences and can relate to it and can, it can maybe help them, um, you know, discern something that that's, mm-hmm. that's going on in their, in their walk with God and in their journey. Um, so and- I guess, how would you summarize like your view of Remembrance Sunday that you portrayed in that song? Like what, what I guess, is it that made you uneasy or what, what sort of cultivated that feeling of, I'm not sure about this. Like what is it you saw? Yeah, I suppose like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big topic, but I suppose a lot of the kind of um, things that I've been talking about or singing about comes towards a backdrop of colonialism. um, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in terms of like my, my job as a missionary, um, 
um, you know, there it can get a little bit, you know, the lines can be a bit blurry sometimes with, okay, we're supposed to like reach out to people with the gospel of, of Jesus, you know, and with, with the love of God. Um, but a lot of times in the past or in the, some of the countries we were going to, um, you know, it can, there's like a, there's a history there, you know, and even in the context of Ross Trevor, where I, where I was and, like there's a history of, um, you know, British um, uh, people from Britain coming to Ireland and, you know, trying to put something on them or, you know, whether that's mm. like their religion or, you know, their political system um, or their music or there's like a cultural kind of clash that happens. And I suppose I've had a journey of rec- like kind of wrestling with how do we bring jesus without bringing our kind of cultural cultural baggage um so like with you know with remembrance and with other things like that i've been reading um one of my kind of influences would be a guy called brian zond um Mm -hmm. and he's got this book um a farewell to mars um it's actually here i'll just um I'll just show you the cover of it here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talks about like, you know, um, one of the things it talks about is this, is civil religion. Um, so if you think of like colonialism, say for example, Britain back in the day um, had a, a global empire um, where, you know, Britain was kind of, you know, expanding its territory and and basically overpowering you know weaker nations mm-hmm. and um yeah that's obviously something that most people would look at now and and think that's bad you know it's not good um and but back in the day you know what yeah that people... was i guess the way the world was operated you know as in some ways that was that that was the name of the game and the in the I guess the seventeen eighteen hundreds even maybe earlier and and sometimes into the the early nineteen hundreds you know I guess the the name of the game was conquest and, and colonies and colon your your power the power of your nation was measured in its colonial assets and land you know yeah and especially you know European powers like white white European nations were you know it kind of exploiting like Africa and Asia mm-hmm. and the Americas and unfortunately Christian theology was a huge part of that. Um, you know, and Harry Smith, um, who he led the Christian renewal center in Ross Trevor before it was YWAM. He's written a great book, um, on the doctrine of discovery, um, and manifest destiny. And it kind of traces how, you know, Christian theology kind of, like gave an okay to emperors to like, you know, do these things and to like to take mm-hmm. land and to, you know, basically using the Bible to justify um, colonialism. Um, and one of the things Brian Zahn talks about is civil religion. Um, and he basically talks about how civil religion is um, kind of a way that the government or the state can 
have like a spiritual blessing or a spiritual kind of way of um, doing things that kind of gives a kind of religious dimension to mm-hmm. what legitimacy I guess yeah like a legitimacy yeah and the state so civil religion kind of is is like flags you know anthems mm-hmm. monuments memorials and, and kind of, in your perspective now like from your whole experiences would you say that those kind of um like you said anthems icons imagery would you say that's a, a negative overall in in today's world and especially for christians to take part in you perhaps pride in a flag pride in a in statues of great leaders and there and what people would term great leaders you know would you say that's a harmful area for christian christians to kind of weigh it into um in general yes like i think it's um, like I, I it's important to maybe distinguish between like the church and the state in a way like i don't mm-hmm. necessarily expect the state to you know behave like in a christian way or like in the way that the church um would would behave but i think what's happened you know especially in places like northern ireland is that the kind of there's been a very much a mixing of you know cultural maybe political values and then christianity or mm. you know our version of christianity um and you know i think that often maybe muddies the water and kind of it makes it people it makes it kind of hard for people to read the teachings of jesus and you know actually kind of you know relate to it like i think because jesus was actually not trying to um you know start a a country yeah. or you know he, he he was he was kind of a countercultural mm-hmm. he started a countercultural movement um whereas maybe you know many centuries later um christians have often ended up doing things and supporting things that are unchristlike um but there isn't because there's lack of understanding of maybe how these things work mm-hmm. And I guess from my perspective, you know, you could say we we disagree on certain areas, but also agree on a lot of things. Like, for example, I remember um, my, my uncle, um, he he lived in Lurgan and he, which is in Northern Ireland as well. He um, went to a church in the middle of the town and uh, they got a new minister, as the Church of Ireland often do. They kind of assign the minister to a church that's... I guess it's not really a always a process of the church picking its leaders. You kind of they kind of tour the country and get assigned to different churches. And uh, I remember this this minister came into their church in the center of Lurgan and uh, tried. He sort of he tried to take down the the union flag from either on the top of the church or inside it. And I remember my uncle kind of having stern words with him, where he, he went up to him and basically said, um, "You've no right to do this," you know. It's fine. You can go over to where whatever church you came from and do that. But you, know, while you're in my church in my country, you'll not take down the flag of this country. And uh, yeah. I guess you know, to me, I never saw particularly an issue with that in terms of the principle of oh, it's a flag of your country and it's appropriate to have a flag of your country flying in your country. And I guess that was the that isn't 
a view that I always have, but then the issue, I guess, is where, um, and, and I guess America has been much better at this than the UK in terms of separation of church and state, but also in different ways they've been worse at it because you could argue the UK is just as secular, if not more secular than America. And we have religion almost built into our system and America doesn't. But in a lot of ways, American religion comes out more in American culture than than British culture. Yeah. So it, it, there's very, I guess there's there's different ways of expressing it. But um, I, I never had an issue myself with seeing my country's flag in my church. But the, dif- the difficulty there is from the perspective of inclusion and making people feel welcome and that and I guess how that flag is represent or how what it represents to some people like to me it represents pride in what on the face of it to me is a good nation and a nation that is perhaps one to be proud of regardless of the past and but to a lot of people all they can see from that is a sort of reverence of things that have happened in the past that weren't good and they should be frowned upon and perhaps things that people have done in the name of the country that has hurt them. And then I guess you they start to put that together in terms of, well, this faith is backed by people who back things that weren't right, you know, and I guess that's where it starts to get muddy. And I guess that's from a lot of your perspective, that's where you come from. And I guess we, we may disagree on the principle of those image, images, but I definitely agree that things become far more complex when there's when it's all embedded and, and conjoined like the way it sometimes is mm-hmm. both in America and in the UK yeah and I think probably one of the influences that has kind of been there in my life is the whole idea of the kingdom of God and like what is the kingdom of God and you know like yeah so and how do we how do we build the kingdom of God um and I, yeah, I suppose I would have kind of sort of separated, like the kingdom of God is not an earthly kingdom and it's not, um, you know, heaven is, is not, um, you know, the ideal of America or of Britain or, you know, the kingdom of God is going to, is very different from any of the kingdoms of this world. And, and I think sometimes we can miss some of the beauty of what Jesus is trying to do in this world. Um, if, if we kind of like, it, it's, it's much bigger than, you know, just a nation or than, you know, than um, trying to like build a nation um, in a sense, like there is like a, there is like a scandalous kind of, grace in in christ that we don't find in our nations and i think maybe christianity loses out whenever we try to tie it up in you know in our flags or Mm -hmm. you know in our political systems um what would you say your views are for example on i know on your facebook post it was brought up the idea of loyalty to country and to god as as two sort of coexisting i guess you could say kingdoms or um you like kind of the idea for king and country and or and then for also for god and ulster is another way of putting that you know for there's your king and your country and then there's also 
the idea of God as well, and you can be loyal to both of those at the same time. And what would what would you kind of say your opinion is of people who would say, you know, we have a, a duty and perhaps a right to to be loyal to the king, but loyal to to God as well. And they're both that's that's maybe the way that the Bible would uh, would say it should be. Would you agree with that philosophy? Yeah, like I think you know Jesus sort of talks about um, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's and I think Christians should be like good citizens you know and um, they should you know obey the law of the land and that kind of thing Um, but I do think that um, Christians shouldn't compromise their faith by you know following the government and following the state or the land into you know things that are anti god and anti-christian you know i guess you would include war with that sentiment yeah yeah like i would include like you know violence and war and you know like uh execution and you know things like that i i would i would definitely include in that and there's definitely complex issues with a lot of views on them like for example to me i would have the perspective that in some cases, military action would probably would be justified and would be a just thing to do, and perhaps even condoned by my interpretation of the Bible. But for example, you would have a different view, and that, and I know a lot of my friends and a lot of people we both know, but I share the view of total nonviolence and almost restraint. And do you think that both kind of views can coexist in in the church, or do you think that? Would you say that the view of of uh, that the military military action can be justified as a harmful one? Because I know of a lot of Christians that maybe feel like as they're calling, for example, to get involved in the military. And sort of, how do you see? Do you think that's a misinterpretation, or do you think it's perhaps like a like it's a, a tool of the enemy, perhaps? Or do you think that there's room for kind of those both of those perspectives in the modern church? Yeah. I think there's always room for, you know, disagreement and there's always room for ideas. Um, I just like was, was aware of a quote um, by, there's this guy, Medgar Evers, who was a, um, a civil rights leader in America and he was, um, he was killed, but he, he's quoted as saying, um, you can kill a man, but you can't kill an idea. And I my kind of view would be that Jesus's ideas like the the things that Jesus taught like you know those ideas are are not going to go away you know but they're going to grow and they're going to fill the earth and you know eventually heaven will be here you know like we're the early church kind of exploded you know like I guess they killed Jesus and there's only like 12 loyal disciples I guess that stage or you could say 11 but from the big crowds down to the, the kind of core and then the church exploded really. And, you know, I guess that's the evidence of that. Yeah. Like I think, you know, the, when we're praying for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, like I think that that's a reality and that, you know, the ideas and the, you know, the things that Jesus lived out will eventually win the argument. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, and I, I might, my interpretation of what Jesus taught might be different from, another person's but Mm -hmm. i think in general the kind of 
tide of history is becoming more and more like what like the kingdom of god will look like you know and i would say like we are more we are more peaceful we're less violent as a like as a world you know now than we used to be and i think hopefully we will continue to on that pathway yeah um, at least on the state sanction level perhaps um, yeah obviously there's i mean we've seen in the in the us there's like there's there's violence and it'll always rear its head but i guess as a societal view that violence is less you know it it used to almost be expected just as part and parcel of the world and that was the way it was but i guess now we're moving to a stage of you could say almost like a post-violent society but then like there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy stuff that does go on um militarily and things like that but on the whole i guess the the views is changing you know yeah like i think you know even what we're seeing at the moment in america with the whole black lives matter movement um is in, I think it's incredible because it's you've got more and more voices who are agreeing that you know for example in this particular area black lives matter and like more voices that I think if you have wars happening now you'll have more and more people who are protesting war and saying that this is not the answer um you know and I've got friends who are Christians who've got involved in war you know, mm-hmm. so I'm aware that not everyone agrees with these things, but I think in general there is, um, and there has to be more recognition of our colonial past, you know, and coming to terms with that and righting the wrongs of, you know, injustice, whether it's racial injustice or whether it's oppression of, you know, other nations, um, because I think when we're, you know, seriously seeking to do what's right and seeking God, the past does come up and we have to like really repent yeah. and really forgive. And I guess it brings us back sort of to that post about remembrance. And I guess to me, the, what the, the kind of question that it brought up in my mind was, I mean, I don't often doubt the intention of, Christians who get involved in the military, I think their intention is definitely to do the right thing. I also think it's possible for some of the conflicts they've been involved in to be either wrong or misguided in their um, in the way they were thought out or perhaps the, the wisdom of them. But then I guess the question of a just war is one that's interesting, especially with the amount of reverence, especially with the world wars, particularly the second world war, but also the first as well. And um, in your mind, do you, how do you view that kind of question of were some wars just? Like, was the Second World War, for example, a good time to go to war? But was the first a bad time? Or you know, was that wrong? Or were both of them wrong? Or, you know, how would you... Is there, what's your view on that kind of idea of some wars being just? Yeah, um, I think, like, there's this, like, Brian Zand, there's a quote he, he gave one time and he said, just war is just war. Um, like just war ends up being just war. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you know, we, it, we might call a war just, but the result is still people killing each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like if a war is just or not, that it makes it nicer or somehow. Yeah, it definitely know, doesn't make it any nicer. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And 
you know, I think like humanity has has a long history, you know, of of war and violence and people killing each other. And I think Jesus was someone who presented a new way, like a new way to be to be human. Um, and he, I think, if we you know follow the way of Jesus, that will eventually lead to peace you know and, and that, that you know his kingdom will be a, a kingdom of peace um so it's 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 complicated when you start looking at you know specific wars and situations and how the world has you know developed in terms of modern warfare and that kind of thing um but yeah i would you know i would say um that as christians we should be always working towards forgiveness and you know peacemaking and like building a building an industry of you know resolving conflicts and you know being peacemakers and uh, rather than be being part of war machines and building an industry of of a cycle of violence and a cycle of revenge yeah and i definitely like my view would be absolutely that christians should um endeavor with everything they have to avoid war i wouldn't i don't know if i'd necessarily go as far as saying that some wars or war can never be justified because i do think the concept of a defensive war i guess you could include the second world war in that and i think a lot of wars have a lot of different strands to them and different um different ways that they um or different mo- people have different motivations for going to war a lot of which that we don't even know that are going on but I think the concept perhaps of um like especially with the nazis i think that was something that to me seemed right to rise up against and i know that some of the comments on your facebook were portraying that view as well that um the idea that that christianity would be so passive as to to see the greatest evil potentially that the world has ever seen and to take a, a kind of backseat view or like to kind of to say well we're not getting involved in that and not to say that there were, aren't other ways of getting involved in in and resisting that but i guess the the biggest way would be resistance with force so for me like i wonder i mean i guess that's it comes down to my I, opinions of what would jesus do and i think that um jesus obviously and god be, uh, being the same being like there's been a lot of examples of of what could be uh described as a war that god wars that god condones throughout the old testament and i guess to realize that jesus was in that making those decisions as well shows that there may be like a a justification in some senses of of violence being something that that god could condone in the right circumstances but it's a very difficult subject i think for or a very different difficult decision for each christian to make really as to how far they're willing to to go with that and for me um definitely if you look at a terrible evil that should be resisted but then really if you know if a country for example is going to go to war for oil and to, to profit the, the sort of corporations that want to run pipelines through countries or whatever but really if, you, if you're too ignorant to see that that's what's going on and i'm not saying about any war in particular but i know that's the way wars could go in the future for example that could be something that could happen I think that level of ignorance is something that couldn't be tolerated from from Christianity, but it's I guess it's a personal decision really as to how far or what you're willing to, to condone and, and 
it's down to your interpretation of the Bible, like you said, but I definitely agree yeah. in what you said in terms of like Christianity as a, as a community really should be as opposed to the wars, especially needlessly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the question of the Bible is crucial in this and, um, you know, like does God condone violence, you know, in the old mm-hmm. Testament and, um, there's a guy, Greg Boyd, who's got a really good teachings on that. Um, and, you know, probably, you know, probably the way you look at scripture is, is a huge part of, you know, how do you understand the nature of God and the nature of, you know, how, how God works through history. Um, there's like loads of like theological kind of implications that kind of, need to sort of fall into place on on either side of of the argument um absolutely um i just you mentioned about your music and i guess just as a as a final topic of conversation um so you're a musician you write what i would probably describe as um provocative music perhaps even controversial at times um is that do you want to even talk about like your influences in that and maybe is that the way you seek to be seen or what, what are your motivations perhaps? So just talk, if you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what you do and what kind of music you write. Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah. Like I suppose I don't necessarily try to write a type of music. Um, I guess it just, whatever comes out, comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, some of my songs are more like, like protest songs or um, like songs with like, a real kind of message and some of them are more like love songs or just like if I've you know gone through some kind of thing in my life or you know um and Bob Dylan would be a big influence in that and um yeah I suppose I suppose his early kind of material in the 60s you know um I've kind of yeah saw how you know he really could speak out about social issues and um and yeah it really you know it, i think it does change people's lives and change people's perspectives and like songs and music kind of can really get to people's hearts maybe in a way that other things can't um and mm-hmm. yeah um I've, when did you uh, first sort of realized you being a musician is something that you could do or were you always kind of musically inclined? Um, I think probably only in, in the last couple of years has, have I ever, have I really started to use it the way I maybe would like. Um, it was always maybe a bit of a hobby and something that I did on the side, but um, probably the border walk song was the first song that, I could really see actually this being useful, you know, mm-hmm. in some way. Um, I remember in Rush Trevor, I was playing, I was able to play the Borderwalk song at um, Fiddler's Green Festival. And it there was a Tommy Sands, who's like a an Irish um, peace activist and a, and a singer-songwriter. He has this event called The Music of Healing. And um, he asked me to play the Borderwalk song at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a kind of Protestant British Northern Irish person um, to be able to sing a song of 
healing and reconciliation to like a room full of you know Irish Catholics mm-hmm. mostly um, and they really warmly re- received the song and I realized then it was like well like actually music really has the power to bring people together and and to, it has the power to challenge um, you know you know maybe some toxic views or to, to kind of speak out against things that needs people to speak out against. And is that process to you like a, a spiritual process, would you say, the process of songwriting? Or is it your way maybe of of processing things that you're wrestling with yourself? Or do you just does it just happen? Like is it is that a consciously spiritual process for you? Um I don't know how spiritual it is. Like I guess everything is spiritual in, in some way, but mm. um and I do I do think it is processing and it is like a way of like um you know kind of analyzing a situation or a way of you know writing it's like a story almost you know um Mm. like um and sometimes it usually for me it happens very quickly with you know when you've got something in your heart you've experienced something like one year it was at the 12th of july which um is is like a a kind of a public holiday in Northern Ireland where, um, yeah, there's parades and, um, it's kind of like a contentious thing in our society, but yeah, it's a, it's a Protestant the, festival really, I guess. Yeah. And I kind of came away from that day with a lot of, um, heaviness and a lot of like, you know, just like what I'd experienced, what I'd seen, what a witness going on. I, I really, it was heavy on my heart and the way I expressed that was through a song called don't drag God into the mix. And, mm-hmm. and I played that song like, you know, like many, many times in little concerts and stuff. And, and it's always one of the songs that I can talk about and basically share some of these thoughts about, you know, peace and, 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 um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think like I would say God has used the song to, you know, help develop conversations and, you know, help people to think about these things. Yeah. And it was interesting to me. I kind of re-listened to some of your music uh, as I knew I was going to talk to you before this. And uh, there's a lot of them that, I mean, some of the lyrics are really, I guess maybe when you're writing it, it doesn't seem that way, but from an outsider's perspective, like a lot of them are actually really um, vividly, uh, provocative is what the word I would say or you know mm-hmm. that the potential to be controversial like for example I remember hearing the one about Remembrance Day for example and saying um, like the cenotaph is like the golden bull that people are worshipping at and I just thought like wow that's like a huge statement and have you ever yeah. had like have you ever had any backlash from and, and whether I agree or disagree with what you're saying I guess it's you know it's serving a purpose of of, of helping people to see perhaps unhealthy um practices but do you ever get backlash from the kind of really vivid language that you would use um yes i would say like um i would say most people have been really supportive and like it's it's sort of something that's resonated with them but i have had a few occasions where um people have been um provoked or like it's been something they've really you know, mm-hmm. really being upset about. Um, I remember 
one of one time in Oma, and there was an orange man who was quite upset about one of the songs because um so orange men for example they would be the the kind of the main the orange order would be the main protestant kind of uh organization in northern ireland and i guess an orange man would be someone one of the most staunch protestants of of the country would that be fair to say yeah like they would sort of kind of be known for maybe not liking catholics and sort of some people might say that they would have like sectarian kind of views. Um, although this orange man was very, very firm that the the orange order is biblical, like it's mm. based on the Bible. You I know, guess like, like I know from you know, people in my family being involved, like there's a lot of different people's different motivations involved. Like there's there's some people's motivations could be questioned, and then some I would say are. You know, some people might have really harmless views, or in in a lot of ways, or maybe they're just yeah. proud of of their expression of their faith. But yes, they they would be seen as perhaps being a con- contentious kind of organization, or one that might, uh, you know, some people would almost be afraid of, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, 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 and I would say, like, with the language and the the vivid imagery, maybe of some of the songs, like. I think also it's it's art, you know, and art is expressive. Like, mm. and sometimes to say something, you have to like really say it. You know, yeah. it's like. Um, so, what was and, this particular orange man's point of view then? On, well, on I don't know exactly, but he he just he kind of just said the orange order is based on the Bible, and you know, you should not say anything against it or anything you know and mm-hmm. um he used different words and stuff but yeah um you know he he just like i think he was upset because um maybe i had you know one of the lines in the songs is is talking about like how um there's like maybe a bit of a darkness to the orange order and mm-hmm. um yeah and just questioning the questioning the whole idea of you know triumphing like like as a christian trying to say that you know it's good that we triumphed in a military way and that you know god is on our side and that kind of thing yeah and i guess like i'm i'm not necessarily going to condone or not condone your music or necessarily like agree with it i'm not i'm gonna try and keep my cards close to my chest like i would love to have an orangeman on the show like i would love to talk about like that expression of faith in, in a lot of people's minds um mm-hmm. but i i guess yeah it definitely i mean at least the first few times i've heard some of your music like it was startling in a way to hear it put across in in those terms but i definitely like i agree that art is provocative for reasons i guess for me like it's i'm still working through um the the uh, not that i don't understand the meaning but i guess it's it's working in me through or it would take time or, you know it's it's almost like been a process of evaluating the meaning behind the songs and how it's applicable and i guess it's mm-hmm. a ministry in some ways your music but um in a lot of ways yeah it's i mean i can see I, I probably like a lot of those views wouldn't necessarily be the ones that i would choose to air and and i whether i agree or disagree and um but i think there's definitely been it's it's i can see how it could be helpful in terms of helping people to evaluate, like you said, toxic practices. Like, I mean, for example, there's the 
um, Remembrance Day to me is is definitely a solemn moment, but I can also see how it provides a, a time for people to, to be overly nationalistic and maybe heavily pro-war and maybe too sort of triumphant about the the kind of death toll that was inflicted in the past. And it's really, I mean, I, the main thing I would say, or the main way your music's hit me is like it's a, I can see the the struggle within the music as you write it. Obviously, mm-hmm. these are things that have touched you, and they're things that will that a lot of people will wrestle with. And like I said, whether I agree or disagree, or would choose to write those terms, or whether I like just downright don't agree at all, I think having a forum for, like you said, like good provocation or like being provocative in a good way is definitely something that's needed more. And I yeah, like I I like to hear the music of people who have different um, experiences and opinions to me, because then I get to sort of think, well, what's, what could drive someone to be really passionate about this cause, you know, and why would they will yeah. seek, seek to share this with me, you know? Yeah. And I like, if I look at Bob Dylan's material in the early sixties, like, you know, it was, it was very provocative, you know, very much like before his time in a sense, like, you know, some of the things he, like the songs that he wrote against the war in Vietnam or, you know, songs he wrote about like black people who had been, you know, killed mm-hmm. like Emmett Till and, you know, Medgar Evers and Hurricane Reuben Carter. You know, he, he wrote a lot of songs that were like advocating for the oppressed or for, you know, things that had happened in, in society. And I suppose I kind of see it in a similar way of, um, you know, things that have maybe touched my heart or moved me in a certain way um, to kind of, because I think I've, I've journeyed in, in that way. Like I've journeyed from, you know, like I, it's not like I've grown up having these views, um, but it's more something that I've had like a journey in and, kind of came to a bit of an understanding or like a revelation almost of, oh, wow, there's something really important that needs to be said here. And, um, and I want to say it, you know, I want to, I want to say it to whoever, to whoever will listen. And Have you ever been tempted to kind of like water down the imagery for the interesting thing? I mean, it's sort of a paradox in some ways of working in a center of reconciliation, but also using like quite, brash language to your own community so have you ever been tempted to water it down at all or do you think that sort of cutting edge is really helpful in the process of of healing in its own way yeah i think i i do have to be very careful with where i would you know play certain songs Mm -hmm. or you know and 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 i'm always quite careful with explaining them in like a loving way and because I do think it's important to speak in love, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I think my my kind of motivation would be that, you know, people are brought on a journey of healing and restoration. Because um, ultimately, I I don't think it's healthy to live in a society that where there is like sectarianism and, you know, where like these kind of views exist. Um, and I think that's my motivation is to challenge for people's own good to challenge, you know, these worldviews. Um, and 
because I, I do think, you know, um, we are like the world is on a journey and like n information is so easily accessible now and more and more people are going to be aware of, you know, you know, our past and, you know, yeah. different views and different interpretations, different narratives. Um, that's what's going on at the minute, I guess, the kind of views of, like we touched on earlier, the statues of the people in the past. And even I know the prime minister mentioned about paintings in the National Gallery of people who have been involved in shady stuff, but are perhaps in other ways worthy of memory. And I guess this is the, the struggle of the more you dig, the more you find that you might not like. And it's a yeah. really big question, the future of in the age of information and like even with people that you might like even if there's a politician that you might really agree with you could dig their twitter account from six years ago or something and find something you probably would really disagree with or might not be you know i guess you could yeah. say pc and and it's it's an interesting time for sure yeah absolutely and i i think the only person we'll never find dirt on is jesus you know and he's really like he's our he's our example and he's mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing that is the most important in all of this is actually we need to follow Jesus. And um, probably I wanted that that would be one thing that I would be very kind of adamant about is mm -hmm. like, let's lift up Jesus and worship him, follow him, not, you know, not King Billy or, you know, not like whoever, you know, it's, actually mm -hmm. like laying our culture aside, laying our own traditions and our, um, our pride and, and, and just, just leaving it at the cross and following Jesus. Amen. Well, I think that's a really good note to end on a good way to wrap it up. So, um, like I said earlier, I want to thank you for taking the time to, to chat today. Anyway, I know we've gone on for a while, but it's been great just to, to kind of, I guess, process with you and to learn more about your, your background and um i just appreciate you taking the time to to talk to me so uh, thanks yeah for thanks that. for having me josh